What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Amjad Massad is the co-founder and CEO of Replit. In this conversation, we discuss software development, the importance of coding, how to educate more people on this technical endeavor, and why Replit is such an impressive business. I really enjoyed this conversation with Amjad, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is BlockFi. BlockFi provides financial products for crypto investors. Those products include a high-yield interest account, a US dollar loan product against your crypto collateral, and a no-fee cryptocurrency trading product. BlockFi also just released a brand new Bitcoin rewards credit card. It's a normal credit card that when you swipe it, you get Bitcoin back rather than cash back or airline miles. I'm an investor in the business, and I'm a very happy user. The BlockFi Bitcoin Rewards credit card is absolutely amazing. To start earning today, go visit BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, BlockFi.com slash POMP. I've got the credit card. I love it. I think you will too. BlockFi.com slash POMP. Next up is Choice. It's time to stop paying capital gains taxes on your Bitcoin, and Choice is here to help. Choice is rebuilding the way Bitcoiners approach retirement by making it possible to invest in Bitcoin and 19 other digital assets inside your IRA. Right now, every time you make a trade, you have to pay capital gains taxes that can be as high as 37%. Choice enables you to trade real Bitcoin, other cryptos, and stocks without having to pay a dime in capital gains. The best part? They just released an iOS app, so you can open an account in less than 10 minutes and take control of your future from the palm of your hand. Join me and the 20,000 other Bitcoiners who have started their tax-efficient stack and open your Choice account today. Search Stack Sats in the App Store or visit choiceapp.io slash POMP. Again, search Stack Sats in the App Store or visit choiceapp.io slash POMP. And one more thing, if you want to hold your private keys, Choice lets you do that too. Start stacking tax-efficient Satoshis today and visit choiceapp.io slash POMP. Last but not least are my friends over at Circle. If you manage corporate or institutional funds, you're probably looking for ways to access opportunities in crypto. You see the growth and momentum and you want exposure. But a lot of institutions don't know how or aren't comfortable with the risks of Bitcoin or DeFi. Now there's a new investment that's built specifically to help institutions get into digital assets. It's called Circle Yield. It's a blockchain-based investment built with USDC, the leading dollar digital currency. Circle Yield is over-collateralized and fully secured with Bitcoin collateral to protect your funds. This also makes it a great fit for crypto institutions who want to diversify their treasuries and reduce risks while staying all on chain. You get your choice of terms from 1 to 12 months in a fixed rate that's higher than what you'll get at a bank or in many fixed income markets. Visit circle.com slash POMP to book a meeting with one of their experts. Again, circle.com slash POMP and book a meeting with one of their experts. Big fan of Circle, and I think you will be as well. All right, let's get in this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, so this next guest, Amjad, is going to come on here. And I'm an investor in the business, but this is one of those businesses that I don't really care if I get the money back. Like, I just fundamentally believe, John's looking at me like I'm crazy for saying that, but I fundamentally believe in what they're trying to accomplish <laughs> here. And because I believe so much, 
I think that they're going to end up building a massive, massive, massive business. So it'll be a great investment as well. But I think understanding why this is so important uh, is a key piece to this. So Amjad, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be on the best business show. I've been a viewer for a long time. Well, you know what they say, the best business show only has the best guests. So obviously you had to come on. Like it's pretty simple. (laughs) You're very kind. Uh, All right. Let's start first with uh, Replit, just in terms of like, what is the business and why are you building this? You could be building a lot of different things, but like, why is this so important for the world? Yeah. um, So fundamentally, we believe that we're in the middle of a great transition that was accelerated um, 2020 with the pandemic. And we're in the middle of this shift from a primarily industrial society to the information age. And people have been predicting that for a long time. But like for the first time, you could actually feel it, that it's it's happening. People are coming online. They want to make business their businesses online. A lot of people are quitting their jobs. And it's a very, very exciting time. But there is a fundamental problem, in our opinion, which is, most people are consumers of computers. We think computers are the most powerful medium, the most powerful technology in the history of humanity. It's on the order of what the printing press was. Um, you know, before the reading and writing is a superpower, it gives you the ability to extend your brain, your mind, to communicate with large amounts of people to uh, to save things, um, to write things down for generations to come. And um, initially, reading and writing was only, you know, practiced by the priesthood. Uh, you know, the elite only had access to these, uh, to this very powerful technology. And then the printing press really changed that. And um, now we have, you know, we, you go from less than 1% to know how to read and write, and now we have essentially... Um, you know, full literacy uh, in the modern world. And, um, and that changed the world. Like a lot of the uh, democratic, scientific, um, industrial innovation would not be possible without reading and writing. And it would not be possible without a population that actually uh, can read and write. And so we think we're in this middle of this transition and less than 0.5% of the world can actually use computers to their fullest extent, meaning to compute, to be able to write software, to be able to manipulate data. And the rest of us are just like at the mercy of, you know, the creators of the software, which happens to be kind of concentrated, mostly in North America, mostly in Silicon Valley. And so we think, um, uh, you know, what what we're building at Replit is is very important, which is really uh, bringing the tools to everyone, uh, bringing the tools that are creating the modern world, namely software development and building software um, to everyone in the world. And so we've been working, I've been working personally on it my entire career. You know, I started working on it in college. I had this realization back in college when I found it so hard to just to set up the development environment. Basically, when you're starting to code, you have to set up all the software, download gigabytes of software. And, uh, and I was like, you know, this is absurd. Like, I have a computer in front of me. Why can't I just program it? Like, why can't I open a browser window and program it? So Replit was one of the first uh, kind of online 
environment. Later on, we added collaboration and we added a community and then we added a place for people to host their application. So it became this end-to-end platform where you come in, you write your first line of code and then um, you know, build your first application, maybe even build your first business without, without leaving the platform. So what's fascinating to me is you immediately go to this idea of learning to read and write and, and the impact that had on the world, right? And I, and I agree with you that that was uh, uh, probably underestimated how important it was by people today because we just oh everyone reads and writes, you know, of course. Is your thought process that um, 90 plus percent of people or like the majority of people 20, 40, 50 years from now will be technically savvy enough to write code and uh, kind of use software that they've created to operate within the world, whether it's for commercial purposes, personal purposes, et cetera? Or is it something where you think it'll still be, you know, I don't know how many uh, developers there are today from a global population standpoint, but, you know, probably 25 five million. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, less than 5% uh, end up creating all of the software in the world. Like, how do you think about uh, as we move forward, how that percentage changes? So the, there's going to be two trends, right? So one trend is, uh, you know, computer science education and that's happening in school. And we build a lot of tools for teachers to be able to deliver that, that education. Um, and then, you know, online learning is another, another trend um, that will like spread, uh, uh, spread coding education. But then there's another trend and this other trend is sort of just starting. And this other trend is about, okay, um, you know, maybe coding is not, you know, just the only medium for computing and for creating software. So there's uh, this uh, no code movement. Um, you know, one thing we're interested in, we're investing in is what does AI mean for, for coding and code generation? You know, it's like w- one of the earliest, one of the earliest applications of AI was actually to be able to, for the AI to be able to program itself. So the, um, programming language Lisp, which was invented in the 50s at the MIT AI lab. And the interesting thing about Lisp was this idea of like code as data, the, the idea that the AI would be able to rewrite itself to create dynamic behavior. Now that didn't really materialize like they thought, you know, that the you know, deep learning and neural net revolution kind of overtook that. But I think there's still a, there's still something fundamental there. And the question is like, you know, uh, can can the AI generate code better than humans? And can humans operate at a higher level than just code? Can we, you, you need that structured thinking. You need to understand how computing works. You need to understand how computers work. And so you need to do all that work. And maybe you need a little bit of coding as well. But maybe in the future, you'll be able, if you can think clear thoughts in a structured way, you'll be able to translate into software. So we're excited about these two trends like I, I don't think there's going to be like a you know a point where everyone is a software developer in the world. I think that percentage will go much higher than we think, maybe double digit percentage. But I think the rest of the people will not be mere consumers, and I think that's the key point. I think they'll be able to manipulate uh, data in an easy way. They'll be able to uh, at least use some kind of computation for their work, and maybe that's done on a higher level. Okay. So when you think about that, let's say that we all agree, which I think you and I definitely agree on this, but how does that manifest itself into a product? Because there's basically three different um, kind of aspects to going from, I don't understand how to code to now I'm an effective uh, software developer. The first is you got to learn, right? So there's an education component. The second is what I'll call the initial setup of the environment. And then the third is what I would consider the like sustainable or the like everyday environment that you end up using. 
And what I think is unique about the approach that you all are taking is you really are kind of end to end solving all three of those things in a single product that feels very seamless and doesn't feel like you're kind of moving from one to the next to the next. So talk through a little bit about how you think about the design of the product and then what that user, uh, if somebody wanted to go learn from scratch how to code, like what does that look like for them as a journey? So when I, uh, when I first uh, you know, started thinking about these problems and started designing applications, I actually joined uh, Code Academy as uh, um, uh, the first engineer at the company. Um, and what we built there was really, really cool. And it helped and continues to help. And it's a really strong business. Uh, and the founders have just done an amazing thing. Is just like make it really easy for people to learn how to code, have the environment right next to instructions and, and kind of like go step by step. Where, where I think, you know, our vision for Replit has been is that we don't want to, you know, we don't want to like create something with just like, you know, uh, just for training and then, um, and then you have to leave it and, 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 you know, go do something else. So like the idea of like use a product to learn and then you go find the real thing. And, and by the way, like, you know, you, there's still this chasm in between a lot of people drop off between kind of uh, doing some tutorials and actually going and practicing the real thing. And, um, and just fundamentally doesn't make a lot of sense. Like imagine if um, to, to learn how to drive a car, you get like a special car, you drive it for a week and then like you, you, you drop it off and then you get the real car, you know, a better, better analogy is like training wheels, how, you know, you, you get on a bike, you buy a bike. The first thing you do, you put uh, training wheels when you're a kid and then you learn how to do that. And then your dad is like, all right, you're ready. And then you, you, they'll take the, the training wheels off and off you go. Right. Um, but um, so, so for us, we always think about this idea of like low barrier, high ceiling, and it's a really tough design problem. Like, so we want the environment to fundamentally make sense to you the moment you see it. And we've done a lot of research and the idea of like, okay, there's input here, there's output here, and there's a big run button. And that's like the replit sort of identity and like core design innovation from the start was like just that part is really understandable for people. And then from there on, we uh, try to make the environment more and more customizable and we'll try to make the environment more intelligent. So one thing that happens is when the uh, environment detects that you're trying to do something a little bit more complicated, it will actually reconfigure itself to support your use case. So for example, let's say you're writing a piece of code, you started with hello world and you're building up your application and then you're like, okay, I wanna make this server. So you, it, you, know, you start an HTTP server and so the environment actually detects that and then opens a new window. And that window is the output from the web server you just built. And um, another kind of piece of, uh, another thing we do to make that sort of transition like very, um, you know, very stepwise transition between the, you know, between the initial experience and the complex day-to-day -day work. Um, we, we designed this thing called the universal package manager and package management is one of the hardest things to wrap your head around. Package management is awesome because it gives you um, millions, if not billions of human hour of code that, that had happened in the open source world. And so you'll be able to import that into your code and build a much more powerful application. The problem is package managers are very complex pieces of software. So with, with our uh, package manager, 
we actually parse the code and detect that you're trying to import a package or bring in a package and we'll do all the backend work for you. So we'll install the package and we'll show you, we'll show you that work. It's not like abstracted away or, or magic or anything like that, but we'll do the work for you. And the environment just like is more intelligent to understand, like you're trying to do this, you're trying to do that. So uh, that's been, uh, that's been our, um, that's been our uh, sort of approach to this. And so far it's worked, you know, we've had, um, you know, we've had uh, kids uh, actually yesterday, Samarth Jaju, shout out if you're uh, um, listening to this, but um, he started, uh, he's user number 500. He started to code in Replit when he was 14 uh, in India. And now he got into Berkeley and yesterday he came and visited our office and he's still coding in Replit. And, um, and, and, you know, that, that kind of retention over like, you know, four or five years is, is like pretty amazing. He, he is hitting some limitation to be clear and he's giving us feedback constantly, but I think there's like enough, uh, sort of, uh, convenience that we provide for more advanced programmers that they'll stick with the, uh, with the app as we make it powerful and we do make it more powerful year over year. And then, um, and then just because their friends aren't there and just because it's like a fun community as well. Like another thing we do is like, one of the things that bothered me, I, I love the programming and open source community, but there are some things uh, to be desired. There's this like, you know, um, toxic behavior sometimes, or, you know, gatekeeping and, and with the Replica community, we try to keep it fun and light and exciting kind of like how programming was in the early days, how the early days of the internet was. And, 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 um, and that's how we're able to kind of build a, place where learners can uh, can learn valuable skills, meet friends, and start coding with other people, but also can continue and, and do their job and build their projects. So when you think about this environment and this structure, I think what you just described is, you know, incredibly powerful. How many people are using it? Or, or how do you think about like success based on user metrics or uh, retention or any of that type of stuff? Like what are the metrics that you pay attention to? Like this is a really important metric for us. And then how do you evaluate where you all are today in terms of progress or milestones? So um, th that's a very important question. Um, the um, uh, One of the hardest thing about uh, understanding Replit as a business is that uh, you know, it sits between consumer and enterprise, meaning like, um, you know, uh, the level of engagement we're striving for is kind of a consumer business. And we do have like the average session of Replit is one hour, uh, which is like more than YouTube, which is 45 minutes. Um, uh, and then uh, and then there are some aspects of the business where, um, where you know, uh, it, it it's like, Right now, the population of developers is not that much, like like we talked about, 25, 30 million people. So uh, GitHub, for example, has um, like, I don't know, 100% penetration, like maybe 95% penetration in the developer world. Um, and they have something like, you know, um, you know 15, 20 million uh, monthly active users. Um, and then uh, with with Replit, it's you know over time we've changed how we look at things. Initially, we looked at uh, monthly active users. More recently, uh, we think it's more honest for us to uh, to look at weekly active users, um, and um, because we want people to build at least a weekly habit. Uh, again, like Replit is still mostly used by hobbyists, teenagers, students, uh, early career engineers. 
Um, and um, eventually, I think we'd want to look at daily active users because, like, if you're coding every day for your job, like that should be like a very uh, like a very intense activity that you do on a daily basis. Um, we haven't disclosed our like monthly active users figures uh, yet, but you know our our like total signups is uh, 10 million uh, users today. By comparison, like uh, I think GitHub's total signups is like uh, 70 million um, users. Um, in terms of like how we benchmark, like I, I think we should be growing really fast compared to any other developer network in history. And, and you know as we compare our growth to like GitHub early days, we're like running at twice that kind of growth. Um, and then, um, and then in terms of like, uh, milestones, there's like product milestones and there's like adoption milestones in terms of adoption, the, the, you know, we've been growing at least a hundred percent year over year, uh, you know, some years, 150 to hundred, depending on the year COVID was a big year for us where we grew a lot faster. Um, and, um, and that, that, I think that exponential growth need to continue, um, you know, in perpetuity, because we want to reach, we want to reach a billion user mark at some point. There's a lot going to change between us and getting there. It might take a decade or so, but we think that, uh, you know, we, um, you know, as we develop our product, we need to make sure that like everyone can get value out of it. Uh, students can learn on it and then developers can, uh, can build and create businesses um, on top of it. Got it. And then what are the things that people are building inside of this? Like when you think about, uh, what's possible or what's actually happened, are people building like hello world apps, uh, or are they building something that's much more complex? Are there like one or two anecdotal examples that you're like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, actually, um, uh, Samarth, I was, I was talking to him yesterday. He built this, um, social network, uh, um, uh, for gifting. So you create a profile and you put like a, like your wish list, like a, especially books, and then like people can buy you books and they can do it anonymously and they can send you a letter. I've received books when I created my profile for it. It went viral a little bit on Twitter. You can still see it in links in people's uh, bios. And he made some money out of it as well. Um, and uh, he built that uh, and Replit. Um, in terms of like um, other examples, like we, we do have a lot of games. Like if you go to replit.com for slash apps, there's a lot of games. Uh, there's a lot of like mad science experiments. Like, can I run like Mac OS uh, from the eighties and Replit? And like, you'll see a lot of that. Can I like build a compiler interpreter and operating system, a database? There's a lot of things that like people who are, uh, you know, learning or hacking or Replit, they just build like really cool infrastructure that other people end up uh, using as well. There's a lot of things that people build for the ecosystem itself. So like, you know, embarrassingly we don't have a user search yet but you can actually um you can actually uh like there's a user program uh where you can search for replit users and they're augmenting the platform with their own tools so there's a lot of extensibility happening people extending replit uh you know there's a theme app store where or like a theme store where you can go and theme your ide and that's someone who's also hacking and extending replit so there's a lot of like tools that are just like making the platform better. And then a lot of games, a lot of fun experiments and learning projects. Um, and then, you know, every once in a while, we'll see entrepreneurs, especially in their like late teens, early twenties, where, um, you know, they build uh, they build a business. And that's, that's one of the most inspired, 
inspiring things we've seen. Soren, who's now actually a product manager at Replit, we discovered him because he, during the SPAC craze last year, he built a bot that like um, scraped the like government websites to look for potential upcoming SPACs so that they can invest early in it. So they made that bot and then they started charging access for that bot. So they hosted a Replit. And then you go to Discord, um, and you want to add that bot to your Discord so you can get updates on on the SPACs. You have to pay uh, you have to pay a certain amount. And finally, like one of my favorite favorites kind of projects are like community based projects where they're like exploring what the network could do for them, like the Replit Compute Network. There was a project I think last year was called Stonk Exchange, um, and the idea behind Stonk Exchange is like there's this like 13 year old kid who um, built this like fully working market where you can like you can um you can sort of uh, buy and sell usernames on the platform or other users on the platform and not only that he uh built an api so you could actually build trading bots and so for like weeks our entire community was engaged in 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 like imaginary meme and stocks and trading bots and like a lot of emergent behavior happened and these these are some of the most fun projects that i see because this is like kind of fundamental in you. It's like the sort of Reddit behavior, but like, but they have coding superpowers as well. I've got two of my brothers here with me, Joe and John, what questions do you guys have? Hey, so thanks for doing this first off. My, uh, my question would just be around the age that you guys are seeing people on Replit, right? So my understanding is that a large percentage of your user base is younger, uh, call it 18 or younger. And what impact do you think that has on your business now and then going forward into the future? It has a negative impact on our business now because they're not monetizable. Um, it, it has a very positive impact on our community and our engagement. Uh, you know, um, I, I was talking to uh, to one of our users and I'm like asking him like, um, like how how often do you use Replit? And he's like, really, the only thing distracting me from Replit is school. Um, and so, uh, and so like that kind of like level of engagement, uh, like love for the brand and the community, um, we get a lot from our younger user base, um, but they're harder to monetize. Um, I think, um, I think things like the creator economy are actually, um, beginning to, um, make this core audience, um, you know, um, a lot more valuable for the business as well. Um, but the way we think about it, we have this like very long-term uh, view of things and the way we think about it, if we do a good job and this community grows with us and we continue to grow and acquire the next generation of programmers, um, eventually they're gonna be very, very valuable uh, users and developers in the, in the ecosystem. Who's the youngest user? What age are we talking here? Um, so- Like under uh, 10? So there was uh, there was uh, there's one on Twitter about his name is uh, DJ Wang. Uh, he emailed us I think when he was 13. He said um, like I I've been using the site since uh, since I was eight. I think he was asking for like swag or something something <laughs> like that. Uh, and he's like you know I I was coding on Scratch when I was five or six. Scratch by the way is an awesome website from MIT where uh, you can do like no code for for kids. So it's like drag and drop. It's like, you know, I really wanted to get into real coding. And then I found Replit and, you know, here's my profile. I've been coding since I was eight. And then like you scroll through his profile and you can see the first thing he did was like learn Python using Turtle. Like Turtle logo is like an interesting way to kind of use Python to draw shapes and make games. 
And then you go down his profile and it's getting more and more complex. It's getting into computer science stuff. It's getting algorithms. It's getting into, um, uh, into applications. And I see that over and over again, under 10 kids coming to the platform and, and growing from, um, you know, writing, um, um, you know, writing the first line of code uh, to um, all the way to, to sort of making, um, making really cool apps. Gotcha. John, what questions you got? Yeah. First of all, congratulations on your new fundraising round. Thank you. My question would be revolving around like when you were fundraising, what were those conversations like? And is there any like story in particular that you're like, wow, like that wasn't, they were trying to impress you. Cause it seems like everyone was trying to get uh, their hands on this round. I mean, really credit goes to Kochu. Um, they, they've been helping us. They did a survey around Replit, um, which, which was very exciting. And they, saw some interesting uh, behavior around people having friends on the platform, how much time. So they had this conviction because they rat, they did their own due diligence, you know, since 2019 maybe. And, you know, I liked uh, uh, Moz and the team there. Um, you know, Dan Rose uh, was at Facebook and uh, I worked at Facebook as well. Um, and um, and we, we've had mutual connections. So um, we've been building this relationship. And then when, um, when they heard that we might be uh, fundraising, they immediately sent in a term sheet just because they've done their homework. They have that conviction. And, uh, and that started the round. And then I was like, okay, I'm very flattered, but I want to, you know, run a process and talk to other, um, <laughs> other investors. Um, Peter Thiel was a really interesting conversation as well. Um, I'm a big fan of Peter and his work um, his intellectual output around startups from zero to one also just like his uh, social commentary and things like that, really uh, trying to understand the world from a, from a deep perspective. And um, a lot of understanding startups is understanding the world uh, in that way. And so uh, the meeting with Peter was fascinating because he sort of got the idea and got the plan and the mission and the vision uh, in the first, like, you know, five, 10 minutes. And he, he started pacing me. He started kind of like, you know, uh, jumping the next step and the next step. And <laughs> here's what you could do. Here's what we learned from PayPal. So that was a really fascinating conversation. Um, and then sort of the, the, the bidding sort of started and, um, uh, you know, uh, I, I told Paul Graham is, um, you know, one, one of my mentors and early investors at Replit. And then I, I told him like, this thing is happening. There's, there's a lot of excitement around the round, like it's getting bit up. And um, wh what Paul told me is that there, there's some uh, like, like don't optimize for, for, for price, you know, uh, uh, there's uh, you still have to be conservative about things. Um, and, and so we actually ended up taking the um, um, basically he said, uh, Paul Graham said that like, th there's, there's could be some negative uh, aspects of like, you know, optimizing all the way, you know, or letting the market run with the price. Um, and, and I agree with that. And we opted for uh, less than a, than a billion. And we, we, we took the, the offer that was um, 800 million uh, post money valuation because we didn't feel like we figured everything out to be called a unicorn. We felt like people who are joining Replit today needs to share in the glory because there's a lot of uncertainty uncertainty, a lot of hard work in front of us to, to be able to figure out a scalable business model, to be able to invent the rest of the platform. 
So, and we're still a small team. We're still 40 people. And so we're so thankful and happy that people really believe in our mission, especially because it's been, it's been really rough. You know, I started on this like, you know, 12, 13 years ago on some of the ideas here, we've only been able to make it a company in 2016 between 2016, 2018 was sort of a desert in terms of like uh, financing. We couldn't raise a lot of money. We had some early believers, Uh, but now we're sort of, reach this escape velocity with regards to um, financing and, and uh, capital. And, um, and that's awesome, but it's, it's like not the success, right? It's like, we're just getting started and we want to signal that to people. You're very humble. I think most people go, go after that unicorn valuation pretty uh, whenever they can. Yeah. Well, I I think the other piece of this too is uh, I'm sorry, when you think out 20, 30, 40 years, like how big can this be? Are you talking about like the, people who join today the business and enjoying in the upside i'm guessing uh based on my conversations with you you don't think there's two or three x upside but there's you know a lot of upside like how do you think about uh any sort of uh rating you know limitation right or, or uh, uh like a governor on growth is this a hundred billion dollar you know business opportunity in terms of whoever wins here is that large or, or how do you think about it as we project out forward and software continues to eating, eat the world and run, um, run our lives and run our businesses. And um, as computers get more powerful, as Moore's law continues to do its thing, as AI gets more powerful, like the, you know, the future is really unbounded. And a lot of what you guys talk about uh, in, in this show, like what's happening in the Bitcoin world, um, and the decentralized world is is really exciting. So we're, we're at this like point of acceleration between all the different technologies and how they affect each other. Um, and, you know, projecting forward, I think the platform that captures much of the developer mind share of the new generation of programmers, uh, the upside seems like it would be really, really high. Um, I'm confident that uh, we're going to continue to grow and we're going to continue to achieve higher and higher valuations. I think there's a lot of uncertainty. We need to figure out um, more aspects of the business. But I can tell you for sure that like we are aiming for that really, for that North Star. And and, and the reason I think the business is going to be really huge is because our focus is on unlocking human capital. It's about unlocking the talent over all over the world. It's about making software and the internet truly the great equalizer. And so if we bring all that talent from all over the world, bring them online and have them create and share and collaborate with each other, it's really hard to imagine like a, like a, like a cap on that. And, um, and so, and so I, I think, uh, um, you know, I, I think uh, like my ambition is that this is going to be a really, really big company. Um, and um, we want people who uh, to join us who are really committed to the vision and the mission. The ride is going to be amazing. And the journey is, is, is the reward and kind of inventing the future of software is I care a lot about the craft as well. And the, the, the things we built for our users um, and so that's going to be really fun. But I, you know, I think also the upside is going to be tremendous. I uh, I couldn't agree more. I hope so. 
I, uh, I've said multiple times that uh, I don't care if, uh, if the money comes back, but, you know, it'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> my, you know, I, 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 uh, you know, that's my, um, that's my job, right? To make sure it comes back. I have no doubt, my friend. Um, all right. Where can we send people to find you on the internet or I'm dropping a uh, replit.com into uh, the chat right now for people to go check out there. Where, where should we send folks to, uh, to find you? Um, uh, so my Twitter is Amasad, A-M-A-S-A-D. That's generally like my handle on, on the web, on, um, on Replit, on uh, GitHub, on uh, Twitter, um, everywhere. Um, and I have my email address open on, on Twitter. I always welcome like feedback and people who are interested in working with us or, or people who are in similar fields and missions. And uh, I always welcome discussion. Awesome, man. Well, listen, uh, I don't say it lightly when I say that uh, you are building what I think is one of the more important companies in the world. So I've uh, and obviously cheering you on one, two, I just want more and more people to, uh, learn how to code. I think it's a, a skill set that can be incredibly impactful for their life on a personal level, but also the things that they build and create, um, obviously can change the world. So it's pretty cool. Thank to see you. This. And, and, you know, we, uh, you know, part of the reason I was excited to take your money is like, uh, we're incredibly aligned and like the kind of message you put out, the optimism, the, the, the idea of like anyone, anywhere with, kind of little resources can now like build something amazing and we're we're 100 aligned on that and so glad to have you as part of our uh journey i appreciate it um i think that's it man if you don't follow on twitter go follow them. if you haven't checked out replit.com go there links are in the chat and uh, we'll definitely have to do this again in the future but i appreciate taking the time to do it and uh we'll talk soon thank you all right see you later buddy thank you